welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and today my co-host is Scooby, one of my BFFs and YA author. Adam Sass. Hello, Adam. Thank you for Hi. joining me for this special episode. We're here for our season six roundtable. Woo! Um, Adam, would you like to introduce our guests? Yes, of course. So um, we've got like quite a roundtable today. Uh, very blessed to have everyone here. So uh, starting us off, we have famed Buffy writer. Famed. Uh, oh, hi, Drewzy Greenberg. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm so honored. Uh, there we go. And then we have uh, the actor who played Andrew. Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely gal. My name is Tom. Sorry, my name is actually Tom Link. <laughs> Either way, a get. <laughs> then we also have uh, that we also have the actor who played Halfrek. Kali Rosha, C- Cecily too. And- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Of course. And then we also have, and then last but not least, we have the actor who played the beloved Clem, James C. Leary. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Very dramatic. <laughs> It's quarantine. Yeah. It was a little wacky. Yeah. And one of us in this room is a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> it's me. It's me. Oh, was I not supposed to do it's that? It's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's Drew. He's going to murder me for making him do this. <laughs> Great. I'm delighted. Uh, uh, so, uh, Kali and Drew, you have both been on before. Thank you for joining us. Tom and James, this is your first episode. Um, Tom, would you like to start us off with your Buffy origin? Um, sure. Uh, of how I got on the show, I guess that would yeah. mean. Okay. Yeah. Well, I had been previously on the show as a vampire named Cyrus in season five, and um, because same, uh, I think same. What were the rules, Kali? I guess if you if you had something on your face, a prosthetic, then you could come back as a different character. I don't know. What? I never heard that rule. No, because I didn't have prosthetics the first time, and then they put. Them oh, on. okay. Mm-hmm. So they just didn't. They were just like, yeah. If you were not, if it's been a year, the audience won't remember. Uh, <laughs> and then I, uh, I auditioned. I actually auditioned for a couple other parts. Uh, like on Angel and didn't get those. And then I went in for Andrew and I got that part. It was actually written for somebody else who'd been on the show already, but he was in a Christian boy band or something and he didn't want to do it. Oh. So <laughs> thanks. I got the job. I love that. Uh, oh, a little behind God. the scenes info, Tom. James, would you like to give us your Buffy origin? Sh- sh- sure. Um, uh, so I had done uh, uh, a workshop with Lonnie Hammerman, and uh, I think she thought I was funny. And I got called, I was lucky enough to get called right to producers for the part that was literally just said, loose skin demon. Oh. Um, <laughs> and it, it had a lot of what I thought were really funny lines, and I was a fan of the show. And I kind of knew... <clears throat> my take was that I was just going to, I wasn't going to try to be a monster. I wasn't going to try to be anything scary. I was just going to try to play every single one of those lines for as many laughs as I could get. Mm. And it went really well. And I got the part. And a few weeks later, I was getting a head cast done. And then I was on set and uh, working with everybody and and thought it was just going to be a a one and done. 
Um, and uh, since he, he is not here, I, I will I will name drop him. Uh, James Marsters, at the end of the that shooting day, which was the kitten poker, um, came up and said, "You're pretty funny. You'll you'll, you'll be back." And I went, "Okay, this guy says this to every actor who comes on this show, whatever." And then I got called back for Older and Far Away, and for that episode, got to shoot all eight days, and they just you guys just kept calling me back. It was awesome. So mm. I was only supposed to be a one and done, had no name. And <clears throat> then little bits just kept getting added to his character. Nice. Um, yeah. Drew. Hi. Would, would you like to talk about uh, the planning on season six and what it was like coming into the writer's room for the bleakest season of the show? I mean, bleak is in the eye of the beholder, first of all. <laughs> but yeah. It was, yeah, it was definitely, I mean, as a fan, it was definitely, I can talk about it, I suppose, a little bit. I, you know, you guys have to understand, I um, don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, so. Fair. (laughs) I'm not sure how good a resource I'm going to be, but uh, uh, I do know that uh, I was a huge fan of the show, and uh, I think I mentioned this the last time I talked to you guys, I had my interview with Joss and Marty the morning after the season five finale aired when Buffy died so Mm. I walked into that interview with a lot of questions uh, and they explained a little bit to me about what was going to happen but then when I showed up for my first day of work um, the writers kind of sat me down and explained what the season was going to look like and um, they didn't use the word bleak but I sat there going oh this is is dark man this is going to be a dark season Um, but it it was I I mean it was the kind of thing I liked the fact that it was digging into um, like serious issues and and uh, w- you know the scary parts of of leaving high school and becoming an adult and sort of transitioning into that that phase of storytelling. I thought that was kind of cool. So uh, that was all it was all laid out. The the uh, the I mean that's the was the great thing about the show was that you knew the end of the season before you started writing the beginning of the season. So everything was uh, was the signposts were all laid out, uh, even if the the details and the specific episodes still had to be work through that, that's funny that's what i was going to ask you if it was like the end was kind of already if you all knew that or it was like kind of formed as you got halfway and you changed some things or anything but little things always, i mean you always go there there was always like an organic quality to it where like details of it would change but you knew we knew basically like what the rough uh beats were going to be for the season we knew we knew that uh the characters had these certain arcs and um they were going to play out over the course of the season yeah, because I remembered you saying your first episode you were on for was your first episode you wrote, and you saying that like Spike and Buffy having sex, fucking that house down was always that was you, like we're told to put that in the episode, right? Like that was already That's planned. Right. That was yeah. always the plan. I just got lucky enough to draw that episode. Yeah. <laughs> now you get credited forever with that. Iconic. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Oh yes my. Well, and also you know like the the three other people here all like. They're they're all a really good example of how we would shift uh, the story because each one, both all, all Tom and James and Clee all brought something really cool to what they did, and so we kept writing for them, and uh, that that's a good example of how like you you have certain uh, milestones that are that are that you know you have to hit, but then you can start adjusting as the actors start revealing what their strengths are and and the people that you you go oh I want to like I want to keep writing for. Hoffrek, I want to keep writing for Clem. I want to keep writing for Andrew. Um, and that that was part of what, what happened. And it's nice that all three of them are here to, you know, to be part of that. Yeah. This season really seemed like it was where this Buffy world started to just expand and be bigger than 
this um, sort of set thing that it had been before. It really was like it really seemed to be expanding into like all these different areas. I like I like to think so. I mean, I think um, without without I don't think that you know, uh, and this isn't what you meant, of course. I I don't think it was small before. You know, it's uh, it, it's just that it had reached a point where the thing I like about what Joss does is that he doesn't rest on his laurels at all. And you tell a story, and then you move on to tell the next story. And um, I think. You know, I think it's a little bit bold, especially at that time. I think it was, um, it was pretty bold to say, like, you know, for example, oh, are you really invested in Buffy and Angel? Do you think they're fantastic? Great, I'm gonna stab him through the heart. Bye. <laughs> um, and you know, like, you you tell the story and you move on, and that's I think season six was a good example of that. Like, we've we've done high school, we even did college. So here's something different. Let's see what what this is like. Wait, I have a question, Drew. Sure. Uh, okay, so. Every when like at at conventions and things, people one of the questions that I get asked a lot is like, uh, "Why weren't you in the musical episode?" And I have the same question. Uh, where wait, Kali James, were you guys in that episode? No, and and there's no. a very good reason for that, Tom, that I'm not in that episode because <laughs> I can't sing to save my life. Yeah, Don um, nobody wants to hear me um, in that episode, but um, no, I wasn't in it either. That's so funny. Um, grievances. Okay, go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just, so just want to like. I just want to clear the air that I, I'm the thing that I had heard was that a lot of the songs had been recorded during the summer or something that it had already been planned. So I was curious, Drew, how much of that was planned. Okay, well, first of all, let me let me just say first of all that um, Marty and David Fury were also in the musical. And what about the rest of the writers? How come we weren't? So exactly, I'm right. I'm with you there, man. <laughs> um, it's a really bleak turn. Right? <laughs> You're not kidding. No, it's Tom, yeah. James, and Tilly are here to confront you, Drew. That's what this exactly. podcast is about. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Clearly, that's someone did not see Tom in a little show called "Oh, I Don't Know," Rock of Ages. Hello. Exactly. Oh gosh, no one, no one cares. I, um, I, I care. Tom. I don't care. I'm just no curious what the um, what if the, if that. Like how how do TV shows work? Do you have to plan something like that ahead of time? <laughs> That's a really good question, Tom. Uh, but, um, in this case, it was planned. Uh, when I, you know, like I said, I met Joss and Marty the morning after the season five finale aired. They hired me, and then when I came to work, I didn't see Joss again for uh, several weeks because he was off writing the musical. So even uh, though we were still breaking the first handful of episodes of the season, Joss, we knew we knew what we had to get to because we knew that musical episode was going to be here in the season and Joss was already writing it, writing the songs for it. So, um, so yeah, it was, that stuff was all, was all planned out before the season even started. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that also the first, the first season, the first, well, wasn't that also what Firefly was happening congruently? I don't think Firefly happened until season seven. Am I wrong? I think, was I think Firefly seven? was the next season. I, I, I think he sold it in season six and started it in season six. Yeah. Because I, I was just reading about season six. I was looking for like any article I could find in it. It said that he was doing Angel and he had sold Firefly and started writing it during season six, I think. It like wasn't in production yet. Maybe, but the, he was maybe the pilot. Maybe he was writing the pilot during season yeah. six, perhaps. Um, Kali, what were you going to say? Well, no, I was just going to ask why Halfred's hair was curly. Airing <laughs> 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 uh, mm, it all out. No. <laughs> because like Tom at, at conventions and such, um, the question I always get, and we talked about this at length on the last podcast that we did, um, what everybody asks me, you know, were 
are Cecily and Halfrick the same person? Mm. And uh, I don't know if you have an answer for that. I mean, my answer was always sort of like, it was never discussed. It was never discussed. So I never played it as if they were the same person, except for that one moment with James Marsters where we see each other and say each other by our Christian names. Right. Um, and uh, <laughs> I always wondered if, if they were and if you had any sort of intel on that or if it was just sort of one of those sort of consequentially inconsequential actor notes. Does that make sense? Like, it's not like I'm going to act like Halfrick or Cecily while I'm doing one or the other, but maybe it was just sort of um, suggested. I think that's a, such a good question. I, um, I, was, I was tempted to uh, talk to you now, like, as though I knew the answer and I was going to be all coy and be like, mm-hmm. I know, isn't that interesting? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I do remember us talking about like, wouldn't it be funny if we did the little, we do the reference, you know, right. we throw it in there just as a, as a nod. But um, I think we always treated her like a, a separate character, but the possibility was always there. Yes. That, okay. So good. How's that for a good non-answer? <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, I acted, I acted exactly what you were not thinking also. So that's good. That's perfect. That's what I did. It's part of your brilliance, Clay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Well, so, uh, <laughs> Khalid, Tom, and James, you all were new to the show uh, in season yeah. six. And um, I wanted to discuss what it was like, because the three of you also, your characters were more like the, uh, like you said, Drew, they were more like fun and it was able to like in, inject them into the group during a season when like every other character was either traumatized or like severely depressed or going through shit. And the three of you, played characters that were more like fun and bubbly. Um, what was that kind of like coming into the show as like the fun characters when everyone else had to play more like depressing? Um, that's my career. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> as a, as a, I think it was on Grey's Anatomy, Sara Ramirez, I'm dropping. Ow, my toe just <laughs> Um But I, she, she said to me, and I wasn't 100% sure, like, is it a compliment? Is it not? But she's like, you know what? You are just the perfect spice. <gasps> oh, so not no series regular for me this year. Okay. Well, that's okay. When I had my scene with Lisa Kudrow. Ooh, ow. Oh, ow. Oh, sorry. Did I drop that? Um, in the miss, blink and miss me episode of the comeback. Um, I'm just, that was, that was it. That was the joke. Sorry. Cool. Okay, no payoff. Okay, cool. No, no payoff. No, nope, just set up. Just set up. No payoff. That's yeah. that's my new brand of comedy. All set up. No payoff. Got it. No, I have, yeah. I have to tell you. Congrats on that because that is one of my all-time favorite shows ever. Like literally. Well, no, I'm just gonna say, I, I think Kali's right. Yes, that's my whole career. It's like, oh, to come in and be comic relief but you're on a serious show. Keep it subtle. Yes. Don't make, don't make your choices big. Don't do, don't too much. You're doing too much with your face. Can you take it down? <laughs> but no, it's kind of, it, obviously, I don't know. I, it was my first big job. So I was just, you know, happy and excited. Let me uh, try and stick around and keep my job and please don't kill me. So I don't know. That's that's basically my answer to everything is like I was functioning on a high level of anxiety at all times, uh, just trying to like keep my job. So, yeah, 
Yeah. That's that pretty much sums it up. Welcome to being an actor yeah. <laughs> in Hollywood. Can I just say I've also gotten the note, please don't do too much with your face, but that's just in the writer's room. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I feel like you're both just living living your gay truth. Yeah. <laughs> please don't do too much with your hands. You're knocking things over off the table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, James? No, uh, it's the same as both tom and kali i was just so happy to be i was like i said i was a huge fan of the show like huge fan um and it was one of the like when i moved to la it was like in the top five of shows i wanted to work on and was the only one of those top five um so i was just i was so happy to be there and the fact that i got to come and say funny lines i really loved that that you know I got to be comic relief in a lot of bits that were really dark. In fact, I think I ended up like shooting. Uh, I think it was like the the bit in Seeing Red. Um, uh, we that was shot like two or three weeks after the principal for that episode had been done, and they were. I think Drew, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like really serious, and they wanted some type of motivation for for spike and it to me was one of my favorite scenes of the you know whole issues thing um in spike's crypt with the night rider and the 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 bucket of chicken and it was just it was i think just a lucky happenstance that it was a dark season and that little bits of comedic relief were were needed so i it, i was very like tom every week was just like i'm just gonna keep my job I would get the script. I would get the script the night before and like flip through it and go, "All right, I didn't die. Sweet. Okay. There's hope for another one." <laughs> um, Drew, was this season? So, I mean, I know this was your first season as well. Um, I feel like this was the first season of Buffy with Clem and Halfrek that we kind of saw demons that, I mean, especially Clem, demons that weren't really evil. Like, right? Clem was more just—he was just a friend. He just wanted to eat snacks and watch TV. Uh, was that intentional for this season or did it just kind of, you wrote these characters and liked them. So they stayed around as, you know, kind of like allies. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's the second one. I think, uh, I think it's the second one. Um, I, uh, yeah, not even, I wasn't even aware of that, that like, this was the first time we saw, uh, demons who would be allies. Cause, um, to, to my mind, it was just like, these guys are cool. Let's just keep working with them. Wait, was my character? Did I summon demons? Was that my power? You had a thing with demons, didn't you? I think you did. Yeah, did I summon? Did I ever? Them. Did I ever summon Kali? Huh? I'm here. No. <laughs> did I ever summon Halfred? Did I? Did I cause her to come out and visit no. one time? No. <laughs> no. I don't no. Think so. Okay. Never mind. Well, maybe. Maybe in the fanfic that you were writing. <laughs> uh, so speaking of Tom. Um, how much Drew and Tom, how much of Tom influenced Andrew? Because as someone who knows Tom, I feel like there's a lot of parallels in Andrew's like quirkiness, but I know Tom, you are not as nerdy at all. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't specifically know a lot of the uh, like Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Um, I remember that I had a line that was something like, maybe it was season seven uh, where I said, I'm bored episode one board. And I was trying to wrap my head around that. Cause I was like, wait, is this character referencing that this is a TV show? And like <laughs> the pilot was boring and it was a long time ago. And I don't know if it was drew or Jane. Somebody had explained to me that that was referencing star Wars. 
and I, 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 I was like, oh, sure. Like, I, I still, even after they explained it to me, I didn't understand it. Uh, I understand it now, but I, yeah. so they did have to assist me on some things. But yes, I am curious. How much did I talk about me, Drew? How much did I influence the character? Tom's Frankly, favorite subject. I spend most of my time talking about Tom. Um, <laughs> so do I. It's really weird. I know. It's strange, right? How does that keep coming up? Guys, I'm here too. Just Tom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, how could you not? Like with, with any actor who's gonna be on the show, you start you start writing to who they are and what their strengths are, I think. You know, I, I in in most cases you, you start looking at what they do really well. Yes, the nerdy stuff was definitely those conversations between um the nerds was that was those were just the writers having conversations with each other and putting them on paper. Um, that's basically what we talked about in the writer's room every day. Uh, so that was us, but you know, like you start looking at the, the humor that would come out and the, some of those qualities, that's, that's definitely what the actors brought to the, to the parts. So yes, Tom, he was influenced by you. Great. <laughs> Great. I love parts, to hear that. I love to hear that. I, I have sort of a philosophical question to ask just because it makes me think about this. It's a good, a really good question, Ian, to say like how much of it was you and yeah. and how much was the character. And the truth is in in my experience, like the more I try to do like a German accent and a hunchback eating a pickle on a stool, like totally not me. I know that's my job as an actress in some weird way. And you read about these people who like immerse themselves in totally different character, but I... I don't know if it's really possible. I mean, what do you think? Like, is it really possible? And is it even the goal to do something so far away from you? Like in a weird way, I think they're all, any character you play is your essence coming through that. And somebody else who plays the same exact character would do it a very different way, or at least a subtly different way. Does that make sense? Do you guys agree? I, Clea, I totally feel you on that. I feel like the, the style of acting that we are, in and have been in is that we're we're bringing ourselves to every character we play right unless unless it's you know you're doing a Meryl Streep and you have to play Margaret Thatcher and you really are transforming into somebody completely different even the even when even when I think I'm doing a huge different character it's still me so I don't I feel like it really is about uh, bringing, try, trying to make it seem real, right? And so, like, I just, I'm going to play me in this, in this circumstance. Right. I don't know. Right. Yeah. That's how I feel. And I think I gave up long ago and, like, being a Meryl, you know, doing Meryl Street. Like, that, even that, I hate to say this, it sounds awful and sacrilegious, but even, even she, I see her tricks. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. Like, 100%. That yeah. thing with the mouth. Like, I just think it's a tall order for actors to be like, she was immersed in a totally different character. It's like, no, it's still me. I, I still brought myself. And I think I've, I think over time I've just let go of this. Cause then I'm trying too hard to be like, hello. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 different person from who I, who I am and what makes my, my story special and why I'm an actress. Like why not bring, what my weird this and my kooky this and my you know profound this and whatever you know I don't know it's a little detour but it's just an interesting thought because I think all three of us brought 
what we do. And I don't mean like in my bag of tricks, like, oh, I'll use this again, you know, but funneled through the character as written on the page, we put we put ourselves into it. And I, I think that's, I'm not, I don't want to brag, but like, I think that's why these three characters were successful or or caught on or whatever. It's just, there was something authentic. Does that make sense? Like, I don't want to brag. And you know, I'm definitely not, I'm certainly not an expert on this at all, but what you're saying makes so much sense to me. And I, I would even say, I don't know what you would call it, but isn't there like a certain brightness to, to you? Like, and, and you can, play a different character each time you play a different character, but there's, you can't get away from the fact that you are bright, sharp, smart, funny, like those, you can have different shades of that, but you are still all those qualities. Uh, and you're, you're going to kind of shine, uh, in, in, in whatever you do. I feel like that's kind of what, what we respond to, uh, with characters like these. What's interesting. I, I, I did a, a stupid video uh, like a month ago where I made a puppet out of some underwear and I sang a song and uh, yes. <laughs> and it was super fun and it was just something I was doing. And, and some of the comments were like, oh my God, Andrew, so Andrew. And it was so funny to me. I'm like, this literally, this is, has nothing to do. It's literally the furthest thing away because this literally is just me playing myself. And so sometimes I just want to be like, yeah, it seems like that character because we have the same face and voice. Um, right. So at some point, yeah, it's good. Like it was me. Like that's the way I sound. So uh, like all my characters are going to seem a little bit the same because, because they are, because it's coming out of the same vessel. Um, but then I did. And then some, then I realized, Oh wait, cause somebody said, Oh, this is, this should have been in the musical episode. I'm like, this is not related to Buffy at all. <laughs> and then someone reminded me that there was a puppet in that episode. So then I'm like, ah, got it. Got it. I'm an asshole. Never mind. Nothing's original. Everything's old. <laughs> Tom, did you just need a scrunchie? <laughs> Sorry, what? I said, Tom, did you just need a scrunchie? I just need a scrunchie. Guys, I need a scrunchie. That was a bit funny. It's, it's a bit I don't know. Do. I don't know. It was awesome. <laughs> Um, I, I agree with, with, with Tom and, and everybody here that I spent so many years as an actor, um, trying to be this thing that I wasn't and all the roles I would get, mostly commercials would just be the parts where it was like over the top guy, crazy guy, guy that we can't tone down. (laughs) Um, those would end up being all the commercials that I would get and, um, I just had to try to start leaning into that, that like, like you, Tom, I would like, people were always going like, okay, great, great. Could you, you're at about an 11. Can you bring your face? Can you make your face smaller? Just could you make your actual entire face smaller? Um, (laughs) uh, So part of the cool bit with Buffy was, you know, it was covered and I could be as big as I really wanted to be um, because it, it worked through the makeup and, um, Clem is mostly we share a lot of similarities um uh uh uh, mostly because it's like Clem just wanted to be liked and he wanted to be part of the gang and he just wanted he just wanted to be nice and that is so (laughs) so my personality it's like I just want to be part of the crew I want to everybody like me also um, last last comment on transformative acting when I, la- last year i saw an an interview on of larry king talking to debbie reynolds 
and she did an impression of Meryl Streep. And I lost my mind because for all, all this time, I thought she was, you know, the transformative actor doing something different. And, and, And when she, and it was an interview from like, I don't know, like 10 years ago. And it, it, it just pointed out everything that Meryl does in every single movie, even though in my mind, she's completely different in everything she does. So yeah. even, even she's not, <laughs> I know she's all I, that. I think that was great coming from, I think it was even better coming from Debbie Reynolds, who is like one of our showboatiest actors who was yes. showbiz, like <laughs> not with the, with the stuff. Like, so I think that was even better, like showing that it's just like, Hey, all the acting is, is it's all, different tricks yep yeah yeah tricks. yep and look, <laughs> just two, tricks. Of you, <laughs> two of you did it through a ton of prosthetics james and Khalid, do you want to talk about uh sitting in that makeup trailer for however many hours you all probably had to sit in it before you were even acting well uh, I can I could speak to that, and I think I told a story in the last podcast about how funny it was that Emma had never seen me out of oh, yeah. makeup. <laughs> so when I came back, because I guess the story was that she didn't really like wearing it, so she didn't have to. So therefore, after a while, I didn't have to. Again, I don't mm. know if that's true, but that was what was sort of floating out there. But so yes, yeah, so I I was uh, she didn't recognize me after probably like six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> no, fantastic. So we were talking and I was asking very personal questions because we had talked very openly about like boyfriends and I don't know what. Anyway, and so then I was in the makeup trailer next to her just getting ready with like in an hour as they do. And instead of like three hours. And so I was asking her probing questions and she was like, whatever. Like she was clearly not not into it. And finally I was like, it's clear. I'm telling the same story I told. I won't waste time. Anyway, the point of it, um, <laughs> Not the first time. One of my tricks. Am I right? Um, but anyway, so, uh, I mean, I, I, uh, both loved it and hated it in a way. Like I, let's say, put, let's put it this way. I loved it at the beginning. And by the end was literally weeping, tearing it off my arms. Cause I, I was just done with it, but just the process of it, but, but acting with it, I, I love that. I mean, I think, I don't, I don't know many actors who don't enjoy like, Ooh, that, Ooh, yum. Like, Ooh, prop. Ooh, you know, busy myself with that. or So I loved having that to work with. You know, I thought that was super fun. And uh, James. Yes. I know. I, I, I agree with Kalia. It was, it was, it, it was freeing in a sense to, to not, to just to have that mask on. Although I, for me, it was like, Started at three hours in the chair, and then they got it down to about two and a half. Um, and yeah, while it was super fun at the beginning of the day, on hour like sixteen or seventeen, um, with my, my ears full of sweat um, and not being able to scratch the top of my head, it was like the the end of those days was when when they would they they would pull they would tear the the cowl piece and just pull that back so I could just spend like five minutes scratching my head. Um, And luckily the arms were like gloves, so they didn't have to stay on the whole time. Um, uh, So I could, you know, I could eat, I could do, I could go to the bathroom um, without assistance, Um, uh, which, which was good. Um, And then, you know, I, I, I kept hoping at some point, 
there would be an episode where some magic happened and you got to see what Clem looked like a hundred thousand years ago. <laughs> and it would just be my face. Um, Cause I was, you, you do get jealous of the other actors who are literally in the makeup chair for like 20 minutes um, mm. with the little spray, the little spray gun hair, and then they're out. And it's like, you're going on hour, hour two and a half. Yeah. Um, but it, at the same time, it was, you know, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. I, um, I was going to say, I've, uh, I, I've been watching the start, the new Star Trek show and it's got, what's his name? That actor who was in Hush, uh, Doug. Jones. Jones. Oh, Jones? Of, he plays, yeah. he plays one of the lead characters on the new Star Trek and it's all press that, and he's like every, he, he that's, he's known for that. Like that's, yep. that, that he only, he basically only does prosthetic characters. And I'm like, oh my God, how do you do a whole career of of just that because for me i when i played the vampire even just having that little thing on my face i found it to be so claustrophobic and the the contact lenses freaked me out anyway so i was a big Contacts baby about worst. it i don't know uh, the, uh, yeah so i don't know how he he must do some meditation or take med- medication medication as well um <laughs> But I don't know, like, I, it's just fascinating to me that someone, like, he that he's made a whole career of that. I don't know why I'm talking about that. I mean, uh, for me, and I'm curious, James, if this was true for you, and then for this guy you're talking about, Doug, Doug Jones or whatever. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, 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 a very finely haired woman, and the, the, the glue on my hair was enough to just drive me to insanity. So if... If you're any kind of a dude with hair on any part of your body that's being glued, I mean that's isn't that that's got to be torture. I just don't get that. Well, it was you would have to sh- you would have to shave your face uh, every day, and I hate shaving. I don't mm-hmm. shave. Never have I shaved every day in my life. But you'd have to mm-hmm. because if if it the stubble starts coming through, it can, can keep the 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 latex from sticking. So it was not only that, and then I don't know if you experienced this, Khalid, where the 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 edges around your mouth yeah. would start to peel away, so they'd have to come over with that glue. Yeah, that but, uh, glue yeah. is heavily alcohol based. And yeah, towards the end of the like the the two episodes where I did five days in a row, um, by Friday my skin was a mess. My face was like all around my mouth area and stuff was just a mess. Um, but luckily, most of my days, most after those two episodes, most of my stuff was shot out in a day. Um, so. It was it was a bit easier for me. The worst parts were the contact lenses, because uh, I don't had never worn contacts at any point, and my eyes are the the lens tech Sean. Yeah. The first day had to spend like twenty five minutes getting my lenses in, mm. and he was like, "No, th- those are staying in for the whole day, dude. I'll just follow you around and put drops in your eyes every ten minutes." Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the teeth for me, the teeth were were. Um, Oh, I would get I would get little uh little like almost canker sores on my gum oh. where the where the where the dentures fit. Um again, it look it was it was some of the greatest times of my life. It was so amazing and it changed my life. So I'm I'm not bitching about it because I I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Um but yeah, those were the the one episode where I had to eat bugles with those teeth and it was like the bugle chips would get caught underneath the the denture and 
that was that was fun. You Colts, Drew. Wait, question for Drew. Did you did you ever get put in a prosthetic and do a cameo? Dear God, no. Um, also, what's weird is I also get bugles. I also get bugles stuck in my denture, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I kind of relate. I have to say, as someone who gets like very easily squicked out, like having like the Clem makeup, it was not a great ad for bugles. Honestly, I was not like running up, being like, mm, I really want to get bugles right now. I I don't know. Did, 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 did bugles give a lot of that fat endorsement money? <laughs> Let me assure you, they did not. They pulled their sponsorship. <laughs> it was why the show ended. The bugles only ended up on the show, I'm sure. I mean, I don't remember it at all, but I'm sure it's because we were all eating bugles in the writer's room <laughs> that day. <laughs> it's a funnier name than Doritos. You know, like, it's not, right. not going to have the same punch with Pringle. You know, yeah. It's also funny because, like, bugles are just so very the snack that people, like, would put on their fingertips for, like, fake fingernails. Yeah. So it's, like, even better to have this, like, kind yeah. of crazy demon with these like finger skin things having bugles were like an extension of it I don't know. <laughs> well it's funny that you mentioned that you probably all were just eating bugles and that's why clem was eating them drew because tom you mentioned on twitter that in one of the episodes you're wearing a spongebob shirt and it was just like the shirt you wore that day and then andrew wore it Oh no, I very specifically was trying to get it on the show. Like I was I was oh, really I was trying to have influence over the character, I guess is what I was doing. Um yeah, no, I I wore it to my costume fitting and I, and I said, "Hey, I, can I actually wear this?" and then they had to um but I was like, "I want to get it on the show." And then they had to get approval from Nickelodeon, but it worked out, you guys. I did it. And I thought, yeah, the fans are going to love this. No one noticed. No one cared. (laughs) Nothing. Tom tweeted at the podcast to be like, now screenshot that episode where I wear the SpongeBob shirt. And I, you know, I consider myself pretty knowledgeable. And I was like, what episode is that? But then someone did reply and was like, it's this episode. So So someone, someone Someone. Tom, you you affected one person's life. (laughs) (laughs) One. Uh, so do any of you remember any like specific fan reactions or like anything you might have pranks? Read about? You guys, all the pranks we did. Oh, <laughs> <Black> pranks. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I love that that's always a question. Why do they always ask that? Why do they want to know about pranks? pranks? There weren't it's any pranks. People have to do work. Trying not to get fired. Guess who can yeah. do pranks? Exactly. George Clooney. George Clooney yeah. can George go do pranks. George Clooney can do a prank. Now, I'm very glad Jared Leto sort of like permanently ended the prankster actor on set kind of thing. <laughs> that was the moment. That was the tipping point where everybody was like, we're done with the pranks. <laughs> Unless you are top five on that call sheet, ain't no pranks happening. None. None whatsoever. Is that really, is that really a thing people have? A funny prank that was done to me on a movie. Sorry, um, but I was, oh it was. It was brilliant, and it's the last and only prank that uh, that I think I would tolerate. But Eric Stone Street. I was playing his wife in a <laughs> in a movie. Yeah, I know toes. All of your toes are crushed. Um, <laughs> but we were do, we were filming in New Orleans in a parking lot with all these trailers. You know what the actors, and then they obviously take us to set. You know how it works. But on my trailer, he did a handwritten sign that said crew bathroom. So <laughs> the crew started using my tra- – they thought that they could just go in and crap in my – Oh, no. Yeah, their mid-morning craps in my toilet. <laughs> literally 
It was brilliant. It was horrible, but it's the only one because it, it was brilliant, you know. But generally, pranks are a way. Pranks, I'm trying to act. Like, what are we doing? I don't know. I know. Somebody started on stage with me once, and I've never forgiven them because I was like, they thought it was funny, you know, that kind of thing. I'm an actress. I'm surprised that's a question people ask because I, yeah, I don't know. I just Sorry. like What was the original question? I got us off top. The, the question was if any of you all remembered like reading any articles as like reactions to or any fan reactions back then from when it aired. I feel like people maybe felt uh, differently about this season because it was the more adult season and retroactively, I think folks love it more. I have very distinct memories of reading certain, like, it was sort of like the beginning of the culture of, like, instant reviews, like, reviewing specific yeah. episodes, and I know exactly which Entertainment Weekly writers were being mean to me. <gasps> yeah. Uh, yeah. I still remember, just have, so do, that you guys know. Are, are, are they on a list? Do you have a folder somewhere that is the, the mean Entertainment Weekly writers? Don't need a folder. Don't need a folder. It's all right, it's all right here. All right, right. <laughs> on your deathbed, it will escape your lips. And it will be as fresh as the memory. You know what? That's fair because I remember Kali, the Barnes & Noble, where we met at when I worked at the Barnes & Noble on the Upper West Side. There was an old woman that made me cry at work, and I remember that motherfucker's name, and I will remember it for, like, the rest of my life. I I don't remember. I remember it being, like, sort of a, 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 like, people were really divided about that season for a while, and then it now seems like it's, it seems to have risen into... Um, you know, everybody's sort of top one of their favorite seasons, you know, in no small part due to the people on this show. Um, uh, but I, like the first time I ever caught like a real fan reaction was at one of Sean Harry's events in London. Um, that was just like, I, I had done a few little small conventions. It was cool and it was really fun. And um, then this convention in London, it was like 3000 people. And you walked out on stage and it was like the place went nuts and it was like, oh, wow, this is this is something bigger than I ever really thought it was. James, was that one? Was that um, I know you say London, but was it Milton Keynes? No, no, this was uh, this. No, it was Blackpool. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Lovely, lovely Blackpool, the Norbrecht Hotel in Blackpool. A lot of words. Yeah. 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 Really, a lot of... so, Tom, I, I don't know if Kali and James, I don't know if you were there for this one, but Tom, were you at the convention where everybody had to sneak out in the middle of the night? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Were you there? That was that was us. That yeah. was in Paris. That was in Paris. That was Paris. And, and like was it? the convention person that was putting it on, like just disappeared. No uh, like all, ran her away. wasn't working. Right. And they canceled the whole convention. And uh, we just like fled from our hotel, so we wouldn't have it was, to pay. It, it, it was it was you, um, Rubia, uh, Bailey Danny Chase, Strong was there. And Danny Strong and myself, and the, we had to like we got a call at six thirty in the morning, like packed from our agent at the time, and was like pack your stuff. Some of the other actors at another hotel, they're being hit for their hotel room bill, and it's it was a really expensive hotel, and we're like oh crap, but it's these little teeny tiny elevators in paris so we I oh yeah we, we, all, we went down the stairs with our yeah, luggage just clackety clackety clack and it's uh, beelined it outside threw all our luggage into a, a, a this person's car who took off and we were walking towards um the, the train station the underground and danny just goes and goes huh a jew sneaking out of paris weird <laughs> <Go on. laughs> 
<laughs> Good old Danny. Come through, Danny. Yep. Um. <laughs> well, what I heard about that, I mean, that's that's no joke. I didn't realize you guys were part of that because I can't remember my quote-unquote agent's name, the woman who set up. What was the long black hair? What was her name? We don't say her name. Oh, we, we don't say her name. Oh. Yes. <laughs> she's, she's the one who shall not be named. She is the one because I think that's why I stopped doing it. But I heard about that scandal and how it just it literally imploded. Like all the fun per diem and the fun, the hotels and all the, it just suddenly was like, that's not happening anymore. Well, it was a back to back because we'd all been at one in London the week before that's the, the, the that same thing happened. That's the one where I, that's the one I met. That's the one, I was at the one in London. Yes. And Yes, and I, and it all started happening there, and I was like, "What's going on?" And then I remember hearing about you guys being in Paris and it happening again. Yeah, because because that hotel in London was like an expensive hotel. Uh-huh. And oh, George, George Hertzberg and I fought magic in the memory for a year to to not have to pay that bill. All right, guys, and uh, what do you like? Have a favorite moment from season six that you remember that you really loved doing? Uh, Drew, we'll start with you. Uh, um, I mean, sure. No, that's great. Um, let me think of one. No. Uh, so I have, I have, there were two things that stand out for me. The The fun one um, was that I, uh, in Smashed, I got to write, again, you know, see above, re, we're just taking our nerdy conversations and transcribing them, basically. Um, but I got to do a whole run uh, about the Boba Fett action figure. Uh, which delighted me so much. I like, I'm, I've told the story before I know, but like, uh, I did a thing about in the script about how it was a 1979 mint edition Boba Fett. And I think the line producer came to me and said, uh, obviously this is a mistake because Empire Strikes Back didn't come out until 1980. And I was like, I know the figure came out a year before. Uh, you you had to send, you had to send in special for it. Right. Exactly. Right. And you could. Um, and, I, I, and I did. <laughs> and I did. Thank you. Yes. It's Me that's too. funny. I remember when that aired and being like, that's a real that's a real figure they're talking about. Like someone who's really nerdy actually wrote this line because Hello. that's a very specific Hello. thing. And yeah. guilty. <laughs> um the thing is that I came to LA with a couple of goals. One was to be a writer, but on top of that, um I wanted to get quoted in the green box in the TV section in Entertainment Weekly. Um, yes. and that bit, bit my first episode got me quoted in the green box in entertainment weekly um, that's awesome i was delighted i was i was so happy uh so that was a really nice moment for me the other thing that not to keep going on and on because who cares what i think but the the moment that was actually a little bit sentimental for me was again from the from my first episode um writing uh we had to do some sort of heist at the beginning with the nerds and i was like all right let's make it a museum and i just wrote it as a museum and then i turned in the script i go down to set and i see them building a museum because i had written the word museum in the script that was you know as somebody who who was just starting out that's a pretty awe-inspiring thing to see like suddenly the it becomes three-dimensional and i was very uh as the kids say, I was feeling myself. Oh. <laughs> uh, Kali, do you have a really specific memory from doing the season? Um, I mean, I have so many. You know, it's so funny. It's Some jobs are just indelible, you know, where you're just like, yeah. oh, God, I'm back there. And we talk about it. It brings me back. But I do remember loving the turn that Halfrick took um, 
I think it was in Older and Far Away, when she po- poses as a guidance counselor for oh, yeah, yeah. Dawn. And then the whole party where she casts a spell so that no one can leave for Dawn's sake. But then, of course, she's a victim of her own spell because that's how her <laughs> little Lee, um didn't think it through. And so um, I just remember finding that episode funny. I mean, it's sort of like a farce, you know, it just became kind of a farce in a funny way, but it's also poignant. And so I thought that I like that. We've talked about this before, but I like that duality where it's like ridiculous, but underneath you're kind of crying. Like I find that sort of moving. And I found that that episode in particular kind of got, got both sides together because I do think Halford genuinely cared about Dawn and felt bad for her, which is why her intentions were good. Um, Halford said it, but then sort of misguided. And I, I like that duality. So I, that was a really good, that was a really favorite episode of mine. Oh my God. I love Kali's answer. You guys. <laughs> I wonder who wrote that episode. <laughs> uh, that's funny that you say absurd, but crying. Cause Adam, I feel like that's our mood for 2020. <laughs> oh, well it was, it was my life mood. And then 2020 caught up with me. <laughs> um, James. Yeah. Do you have a favorite moment from season six? I, I have lots of them, but I'm going to also uh, jump on this bandwagon and say that for me, um, Older and Far Away was like a turning point for me because I, I didn't think I was coming back. I, I did not think I would do another episode of the show and it just would have been that fun day. And I got to work with James and Sarah and it was awesome. And then I got a call from my agent saying they wanted me to come back for the full eight days. Um, and I was just so thrilled. And I, I, you know, my character got a name and it was, he was definitely a little bit more goofy and Spike's buddy. And it was just such a fun episode because being, being a fan of the show, I got to work with most of the rest of the cast and just kind of, ha- and when I wasn't, I was just hanging out on set watching one of my favorite shows be made. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, it was it was a moment for me that was like, oh, this is really this is really cool. Um, And I liked the episode. I liked that it had like just all these little funny bits in it and and it was sentimental at the same time. And and just some of the just some of the buttons like I love as Clem's leaving the button of like just turning around and like great party. Like Clem had a great time. (laughs) Clem would have been bored out of his Clem had a fantastic time. Um, uh, So and also like that, that, that episode, like my, this is going to sound really sentimental and very cheesy, but it like altered the course of my, my actual life. Like because of that, I think I kept getting brought back and, and, um, got to travel the world and meet all these amazing people and, and be part of a show that has become the type of show that got me involved in wanting to be an actor and writer. So it was, it was very cool. That's like, it was a great moment. Look at that, Drew. You so hero. thank you, Drew. It's, it's very nice to hear that you guys, and all, all I can say is first of all, um, uh, obviously every Buffy episode was written, uh, you know, it's a, it's a group effort always. Um, and so this is, it's all about like, the, the whole writing team doing something amazing. But I think it's also kind of um, important to say that each of you brought something to that episode in particular that made that episode one of my favorites um, also. And I uh, am thinking of very specific moments for each of you where you you did something sort of unexpected and, and it, it you really gave it layers and dimension. And I am very grateful that uh, – the 
that you guys were able to bring that script to life. It, it made me very happy. And I remember watching it thinking, oh, okay, this is, this is good. Uh, and it's because of what you guys did with it. So thank you for making that episode so much fun. Thank, oh, thank you. you, Drew. Oh, the world's on fire, but this is very nice. Oh. <laughs> I just got tingles. <laughs> it's on fire with love. <laughs> um, thank you all for joining us. Thank you guys for, you all were very flexible. I appreciate that. I appreciate um, y'all being, just wanting to do this and wanting to come on my podcast and talk about my favorite show. Um, if you all like the podcast, you can find us on social media at SlayerFestX98. We are on Google Play, SoundCloud, or we are on Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, and Apple Podcasts. And you can find us on Patreon if you'd like to support us. Uh, we have mini episodes and access to our private Facebook group. And if you want to follow me on social, I am at Ian X Carlos. Adam, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at the Adam Sass, uh, and you can also pre-order my upcoming YA debut, which is uh, called Surrender Your Sons, which will be out in September. Ooh, yay. yay! Congratulations! Uh, awesome. Thank you, J- James. Where can everyone find you? Uh, I am. Uh, uh, I have been off social media for quite a while now, uh, like the last few months, because I was driving myself crazy arguing with people I don't know. Um, like deep into the night, like three, four o'clock in the morning, arguing with complete strangers. Um, That's weird. You wouldn't never that. ever change. Um, <laughs> but I am on Twitter at uh, the James Leary, um, and also Instagram. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't. I sort of left the the acting world behind, and um, I work as a writer for video games now. I work for Ubisoft, and Ooh. I will be moving. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, to uh, Dusseldorf, Germany, uh, wow. beginning of August, Ooh, cool. to work on a very, very top secret project Ooh. for Ubisoft. Ooh, fancy. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's it. Um, I oh, also cool. co I, I ghost wrote a bunch of really cheesy um, sci-fi novels for a Ooh. Kindle publishing company last year so ching <laughs> yeah, not really no <laughs> not, not at all not okay. the least uh Kali, where can everyone find you um so uh, i'm woefully absent from social media although i try tinker around with my elbows and try to push buttons but um <laughs> uh on twitter you can find me at at Kali m rosha but then catch this on instagram it's rosha Kali m <laughs> Why not complicated? Anyway, so, um, you know, again, I'm not great at it, but when things come along that really interest me, like this podcast and the last one I did, I really tried hard to put it out there. So that's where you can find me. Tom, where can everyone find you? You can find me at Tommy Lank on Instagram or at Tom Lank on Twitter, or just pray to me through your ESP psychic powers. That's how I got you on the podcast, right? Yep. Cool, cool. And Drew? I am. I think I am on Twitter at Drew Zachary, and I am just starting to dip my toe into Instagram because I gave up trying to fight it. Uh, and I think that is at Drew Z Greenberg. Cool, cool, and cool. And probably I'm still on Friendster somewhere. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Are we friends on MySpace? We might be. We might be. <laughs> I hope so. Um, I was very big on my top eight. I did like HTML. Thank you all for doing this. And thank you all for listening to our coverage of season six. And we'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye.